you know, just it's it's going to be difficult. You know, we are basically looking to just bring that number down based on the number that I had put forth in us for. But we're we're working hard, but it's it's going to have an impact. Here for Franklin Matters, Franklin Public Radio, anywhere on the internet at WFPR.FM and in the Franklin Mass FM radio dial in the home, in the car, 102.9, here in the school superintendent's office for another session. Lucas, Mr. Jaguar, Mr. <laughs> superintendent, there's many ways to call you, <laughs> and all referring to respectfully. How are you doing today? I'm doing okay, Steve. Thanks for, for having me on today. So I'm doing okay. It's it's the vacation week as we speak today. Mm -hmm. And um, I had the chance to spend some time with my family over the weekend, watch the marathon. Yes. And then um, I'm looking to take a, a little time for the next weekend before we get back at it. Right. When we get back, we're looking at essentially, I want to say, about eight weeks of school. You're in crunch mode. Which is pretty <laughs> remarkable. A lot of about. things to finish up. Yes. That was my next comment. Is it's not a, I don't look at eight weeks as a, 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 a wind down, more of a how do we fit everything we need to fit in to get mm -hmm. done on behalf of kids in yeah. Franklin. So, yeah. yeah. Well, and it's, it's, I know school break times are always kind of debatable. People will say, no, they don't break. Come on. You know, but just picking up on the marathon, I mean, once you get over Heartbreak Hill, you still have a long downhill. And in some cases, the downhills are harder to run than up, having right. done the up. And you've got your race to the finish of right. June 20, whatever it is, because... There was what one snow day so far? So one, yes. Yeah, and hopefully at this point there won't be any more. I, yeah, I don't anticipate <laughs> that. Um, you know, but uh, I feel like I'm on Heartbreak Hill. Really, <laughs> if I had to look at the scope of the year and just trying to make sure that we um, work through the various plans we've made, initiatives, things that are going on that um, cyclically happen. You know, right. with regard to budget, and we have some redistricting work that's continuing to play out, and I just think we. We have to stay focused on getting landing all of these planes, mm -hmm. if you will. Yes. Keep moving. You, you have there are a lot of things going, a lot of things underway, and yes, some of these are going to come nicely to fruition, <laughs> completion, uh, then commencement and graduation on uh, June what second, fourth yes. or something like that. Uh, it's the first Friday, first Friday in, June, in June, and I want to say that I'm going to click across in my. I happen to have my computer open. Going to look at June 2nd. June 2nd. Yeah. Yep. So that'll be here before you know it. It, it, it shall indeed. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be by in a blink. Right. Yep. Uh, and then, yeah, the, the redistricting, I think, is the first up on the agenda. Okay. Um, from your time perspective as well, because prior meetings, we're working through proposals, proposals coming back to the school committee, and then they're going to digest in make a vote as to what the subcommittee has recommended. Correct. And I know the community is anxiously waiting to find out right. what's going on. Right. So just to talk through, I think you hit on this a little bit, but you know, we really began this process back approximately a year ago with mm -hmm. the Space Needs Facilities Analysis Committee, which right. came in and um, toured our schools and then looked at, hey, we're look we need to look at enrollment, look at our buildings. And there was a recommendation um, back then to, in June, 
to continue to analyze the district with regard to redistricting. Mm -hmm. Work through that process, as many know, um, and this will be in our report, but we basically said, okay, there's a recommendation. Next steps are to um, secure some professional consultation and do that the right way. We landed with AppGeo over the summer, mm -hmm. rolled into the fall where we put out feelers for folks who may be interested to join us as part of the redistricting advisory analysis advisory committee and we had approximately 50 members join us on that group right. um, it was a big group and i think the intention there was to be uh, as inclusive as, pro as possible with this particular initiative and have representation across all of our schools and levels right um, not just with families but with staff and administrators and yeah. central office and community oh, Whoever's in the school community perspective from the various stakeholder groups, at least. Yeah. Yes, yes. And uh, that group met monthly um, through um, February. We had a working group that was basically in between meetings, meeting with our consultant, meeting with uh, various people within our, our system, like our mm -hmm. facilities, and trying sure. to get data for them so that those meetings were as uh, productive as possible. Right. Um, and then uh, the Space Needs Committee met. Um, we had conducted some surveys with um, the community. We provided Looking two for formalized feedback on the options, the plans, the building blocks, all that crunched back. And then they still had to say, okay, well, <laughs> well right. what, what, what are everybody really saying? Right. Did the input session. We did the input sessions on March 7th and March 13th. Then we had a staff one on the 15th and uh, sent out those surveys. Uh, when uh, we compiled all the information, we were able to share it with the Space Needs Subcommittee um, who uh, arrived at a um, majority vote to put forth um, a recommendation for the school committee. Sure. And basically, where we are now is April 25th is the next school committee meeting where we will present the information that was compiled and shared and ultimately recommended and it will be up for the school committee to make a vote which they will do we anticipate on May 9th which will be the following school committee. Right. Give them some time to correct read it, analyze it, look over it. Certainly some of them I'm sure has have participated or at least virtually and are caught up on the prior session, so they kind of know what's going on, but they haven't seen yes. the final presentation. This is the recommendation. Right, and it's in the form of a report. Uh, it will come. It's it's uh, Right now, I think we're at almost um, 20, over 20 pages, mm -hmm. but it's really a report that's meant to be uh, walked through each segment of this process and kind of what we listed. So I just talked through that timeline. But certainly what we provide in the report, which will go out, is beyond that. It shows the maps. It shows the um, communications that were given sure. and put out. It gets into the three options that were ultimately what were presented to the community. Mm -hmm. And then gets into the data from the surveys and the summaries of that. Right. The input, um, the buffer zone you know, inf information, financial impacts. Mm -hmm. um, uh, anticipated projects within the town and then ultimately um, we provided some information in detail around the long-range master facilities planning that was a recommendation from the previous report that was done Correct. at the time of the facilities assessment which was Davis linked Thayer. to the Davis there right so um, right. we feel like this report it's been a lot to, to compile but um, tried to put the lens of um, someone from within our community and ultimately our school committee 
to have the information they need to um, vote on the decision, yeah. which is ultimately theirs to do. Right. Yep. So for the community benefit. Right. Yeah, and obviously, with any decision, not everybody is probably going to be happy with it. But right. hopefully, the majority will at least understand, and that's really going to be the key, I think, in understanding the why, which is what right. you're spending a lot of time on, um, and then the timeline, because it's not going to happen overnight. It's still going to take some time right. uh, to pull together. Right, and, and even with the information we have, um, we've provided basically the uh, recommendation from Space Needs, which was to explore, to recommend um, the option two, which had to do with actually re redistricting, mm -hmm. not for the fall, but for the next year. Future year. Yeah, right. and then back into some optional buffer zones mm -hmm. um, choice uh, based on that decision where, where students would land. Mm -hmm. um, recognizing, you know, one thing I want to just call out for for the community and for those listening. This is, with redistricting, it's um, it's a combination of a technical change and an adaptive change. And right. I think I just have to kind of call that out because the technical side is to do the math, look at the pieces and where does it make sense geographically, mm -hmm. you know, um, based on need, enrollment, space, yep. Yep. and make the decision. And I think if you had uh, a situation where you were beginning a brand new town and you had these buildings located in the town, you could assign folks. The adaptive pieces when folks have become part of a school community, um, have uh, experienced a shift already mm -hmm. as a result of the sure. Davis Day's closure, Davis Day closure. Right. and I think that um, I recognize that as another impact, and I think the school committee members recognize that as well. Um, and at the end of the day, I think the, the decision will land with the school committee, and the final vote on how this looks and how this shakes out is still you know, with this recommendation, they still need to process this mm -hmm. and need to put forth what they ultimately agree on as a majority. Correct. And it's the majority of seven members. Yeah, and I think well, to rephrase effectively what you've said, but it's not just numbers. If it was just numbers, it would be easy. But the numbers effectively rep represent people, kids, students, parents, teachers, etc. the entire school community. And when you start looking at the numbers, it's, well, what's the impact going to be on here, there, et cetera? And there's, some people may say, well, it's not impacting enough. Well, the key piece, I think, is what's going forward is it really positions Franklin as a school district to better service its students over time. Right. And if we don't do that, and it may still take time in order to make that final right. point, then we've really missed the opportunity because, oh, by the way, we still have budget issues, which we'll get right. into. And I don't know offhand, it's not going to be the, the silver lining in the cloud that there's going to be a whole lot of gain there, but there is going to be something. And we need to position the district in order to be able to manage and be effective and efficient going forward, period. Right. Being mindful of its impacts because, oh, yeah, there will be some impacts. Um, there will be impacts, and I think um, regardless of what's decided, if nothing was decided, there would be an impact because you have to now say we're going to continue to do business the way we have. Right. And I think it's one of those things, redistricting is certainly one of those topics uh, in any community mm -hmm. that certainly have an impact no matter what decisions are made. And I think we um, want to provide as much information to the school committee to be as thoughtful as possible about this. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, I think the on the other side of this is really about the plan moving forward as we look at our right. facilities and try to look at our schools, and you know we 
need to continue to decide on what will Franklin look like in the future in the coming years mm -hmm. based on based on what we have right based on the schools we have based on all those factors yep. what's going to make the most sense for the long-term plan for our community right based on our numbers based on our, the age of our facilities based on locations mm -hmm. all of it because so. you've already decided i.e. the portrait of the graduate frames the educational approach okay so now yep. how do we deliver that What's the most effective and efficient way of delivering that approach? Right. From K through 12. Yes. And is it 10 buildings? Is it nine buildings? Is it seven? I mean, what's, who right. knows what the magic number is? The, that's right. Where, that's where we're. I think that's the next stage of the work is yeah. looking at, at, at that closer. And honestly, the, um, we did this work this year, mm -hmm. which provides us a deeper analysis on the, the redistricting and kind of the enrollment and the projections that the facilities assessment done a few years ago didn't hit and didn't capture some of the in-district programming we have, for example, right. and the courses and the classes that we use and mm -hmm. the space we use. Right. So I think the, the marriage between that facilities assessment, the work we've done, how do we take all this information and think more long-term about Franklin Public right. Schools right. and what do we need to do the best possible job for kids mm -hmm. today, next year, and then in future years. Right. Because I will often, you know, we've heard different suggestions from folks, and some of them uh, maybe are focused on, on what's best for next year. But I do think it's the charge of our school committee and my office and me mm -hmm. to be thinking about not only next year, but what's, what's good for tomorrow. Right. It may, be, it may change in five years or six years or seven years, and I think that's what we're trying to try to balance. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's where you might have a, differing, a difference of opinion on what you prioritize. Agreed. Right. And some people will say, well, how come you didn't do that before? Well, the analysis around the Davis Thayer piece was focused on that one target, and we can't go back. That's what was done. Correct. But they did a lot of good work, which you've reutilized where you could. Work. And then added these this year, the additional pieces, which coincidentally, at least, that's the growth where there's going to be, and I think without saying the percentages, you've already seen an increase in special ed students in the right. district over the last several years. It's likely that will continue, and thereby servicing them in-house with the in-house programs right. and positioning, that's where the space was left, space analysis was left out of the prior report. Correct. But is really criti critical in terms of the space needs for the futures. Correct. And uh, I think we're on the same page on that then as far as how that will look, so. Yeah, and we hopefully will have brought in the report. Obviously, we'll be able to at least let people read and follow that path mm -hmm. to come to the point where, okay, that was done. Yeah, we can't redo it, but this is what we've done. This is where we're at. And going forward, how do we best deliver the portrait of the graduate? Which is really what everybody wants, is their best graduate right. to be best prepared to go forward. And the other piece that did show us is the projected enrollments. I know that there's been discussion throughout town. I, I happen to also live in town. and mm -hmm. you know, you can, There's been discussion in the uh, KBA enrollment projection had us, for, I'll just use an example, had the elementaries this year at 163. They're actually at 178. So just a thought around, like, they're not exact, and we're seeing a little bit of a higher uptick. So when you extrapolate that out to middle and high, we're just, we're monitoring 
having that number be very clear that mm -hmm. where did we land. The other example I would give is that the ECDC, they had 111 statically projected, yes. and we are already at 175 students. Right. So there are just two examples of that's a little bit higher than we thought. So Correct. some, what I tried to impress upon the Joint Budget Subcommittee was there's not a scenario out there that we can make a decision to reduce from five elementaries to four mm -hmm. and still have the space and meet the needs of the kids in right. this in for next year. Right. So just no. to be clear, that's yeah. just not something that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But as a long-range plan, I think we need to continue to look at how do we best serve the district and the students here and the families and, and everyone in our community in, in, in with a long-range plan. And sure. I think that's going to take time to develop and then decisions that would need to be made that would also take um, time. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah, and it's, and it's clearly, it's, it may be restating the obvious, but some of the study was done pre-pandemic. Some of the study now has been updated post-pandemic. Right. Are we truly post-pandemic? That's still a debatable point to a certain extent, <laughs> right? And there are other dynamics that are still happening. And right. have we got captured all those appropriately that truly affect you know, the bottom line in terms of delivering the education to the K-12 community and preparing us to go forward? And th there's a lot there. So taking some time to do it is the best way to go. Yeah. Agreed, agreed. So. So we will. We were preparing a report. It's going to have a lot of information in it that I think will be helpful with response. Just in, with regard to our time today in, mm -hmm. in this podcast, I want to make sure I keep, I stick to like what I'm able um, to provide, just to be as By transparent as possible. Yeah. But certainly, yeah. um, you know, we plan to provide a pretty comprehensive document that's going to have a lot of the information, including, you know the impacts, financial impacts um, that could could potentially be there. Um, but ultimately, we, uh, yeah, we'll be prepared to share that on the 25th. Mm -hmm. And then there'll still be time for questions through to any of the school committee members from the 25th up until the next meeting, May 9th, I think you mentioned, mm -hmm. which is going to be the decision potentially at that point without over committing what they're mm -hmm. going to do. Mm -hmm. We'll see what they're going to do. but. The other key piece, and it gives us a good segue, because May 8th, 10th, and 11th are the FinCon budget hearings, and I believe you're scheduled for I am. the 10th, that Wednesday, you in Tri-County and Norfolk Ag, so all of the schools on one night. Right. Um, that'll be an interesting discussion. I'll be using all our resources to advertise that to be involved, because the FinCon, with all due respect to the council, FinCon is truly the devil's in the details, you're going to get a lot more questions and answered across all the departments yep. for the entire budget. And clearly, while we're focused here on the schools, if people, oh, by the way, want to listen to the DPW and police and fire, that's on the 11th. General government, that's on Monday the 8th. And Correct. all those details. And I know having watched the FinCon when you and the school committee presented to the FinCon when they did the deep dive, um, there were some questions still. Yep. And I'm sure those will be either re-asked or the answers will be provided beforehand. And there may be new questions as well. <laughs> they're, they're, I, <laughs> that's the nature of the beast. Correct. And I think that they will be um, provided. We actually did provide um, a written response to the chair after that meeting with uh -huh. some of those questions answered. Sure. So um, I thought that that was a way for us to at least be responsive and try to follow up um, to the degree that we could. 
and make sure that we had, you know, we keep the lines of communication open. That's ultimately our goal as a school right. district. And right. just to briefly kind of bring, kind of set the stage for our conversation, we put forth um, a recommendation. The superintendent's budget had had a recommendation where we were asking for a $2.88 million increase on March 28th. Mm -hmm. That's roughly a 4.1% increase to right. the budget. And we were uh, factoring in about a million in reductions. So that brought us to 73,103,500. Right, right, right. yeah. People can look this up and read yeah. it. Yeah. Um, ultimately on um, the 11th of April, we had our school committee meeting and the school committee um, approved an amendment that included some of the things that were not listed in the recommended budget on slide yeah, it was 33. was a separate page. Yes, <laughs> so uh, that, that brought us to about a $3.37 million increase. In over a prior year's budget. Over prior year's budget, thank right. you. Yeah. And um, ultimately we were waiting to know what the town allocation would be. At this point, the, um, as we speak today, the town administrator put out his recommended um, town allocation is his, right. his report. He has to bring out a balanced budget. So in yep. his world, he gave schools, uh, I think it's a million change. Yeah, 1,031,954. Yep. And it's balanced, but going through the FinCom hearings, going through the town council hearings, there may still be adjustments in that as mm -hmm. issues, it's topics come up, issues, topics drop down. Um, that's where people, if they want to be involved, that's where they really should be in the May right. budget hearings. Right. And you already mentioned this, Steve, May 10th is our um, FinCom meeting. Right. And then ultimately the town... 24th and 25th, I right. believe. And I believe where the 24th, 24th generally is, is the us, Wednesday night. And then they night. carry over the second Yeah, year. if there's any carryover, because and for the people who are listening, if they haven't already heard, so FinCom, we mentioned, really has by department each department head, and they go almost line by line through every budget and get questions and answers, what's the drivers, et cetera, et cetera. Town Council, when they do their thing respectfully on the first, that Wednesday the 24th, the clerk reads the general line items for each of the budgets, and then any of the town councilors can hold a particular line item for further questions. So as opposed to FinCom going through every single line in detail, the town council is only going to pick and choose certain topics. And if those are resolved that night, then the next night they vote. If there's anything that holds over, then the next night they'll answer those questions and then vote. So that's, there still may be movement within right. the dollars on those two nights. Um, right. But the details really are going to be in the FinCom May 8, 10, and 11 discussions that would then lead to what the town council is going to end up doing. Right. So we've presented on this a few times. I think as far as the background of the budget, um, mm -hmm. certainly looking at um, how our budget's developed. We've talked through net school spending and how we get to that. Right. You know, based on the previous formula that Franklin has benefited, this has been said before, but I'll just reiterate that, you know, we've been um, held harmless for approximately $10 million. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, and ultimately, 10.9, um, mm -hmm. we're getting excess right. as a result of that formula. 
and that puts us second to Boston as one factor. Right, and that number effectively changes a little bit each year because of two things. One, our held harmless number was higher before because our local contribution has been gradually creeping up. Mm -hmm. And we'll continue to creep up over the years coming, because I think we, we ultimately get to like about 82%, I think Miriam had said. Mm -hmm. um, we can validate it's, that it's later. The cap, but, yeah. but that's, so the held harmless total will gradually decrease as our local contribution increases, to, yeah. is forced to increase. Right. And I think um, the discussion that I'm sure, you know, we are going to put forth our budget, we already have. We'll be prepared to answer every question that we can for FinCom yeah. and also do that for the town and continue through this process, just like my counterparts in other departments. Certainly, I know schools is certainly, you know, one thing I'd love to shift is I feel as though the paradigm, there's a bit of a, um, I'd love to shift the paradigm. You know, some of the messaging out there is around schools are almost viewed as a financial burden. Yeah. And I want to just say as superintendent, my role is to advocate for schools. Mm -hmm. And I'll always do that respectfully and with integrity. But I would just ask people to kind of really look at and examine some of the drivers and the factors. And mm -hmm. uh, one of my goals is to make sure that we're communicating these drivers effectively and talking through. Right. Um, we, based on the numbers that we just talked about, you know, Franklin does um, spend uh, in per pupil in the bottom 20th percentile uh, for the state. Mm -hmm. um, as a town, we, we have contributed 13% you know, uh, more over the uh, local contribution, contribution is expected. Yep. Right. yep. But when I look across even just the, you know, the Hockamock, for example, sure. um, we certainly are, with us being at 13%, you know, we have other uh, towns within our local area, towns that we play sports against and compete against, um, certainly um, funding at higher levels. Mm -hmm. Some are in the... 30 percentile right. range, you know, double double that. So yep. um, I say that as not a, uh, to be divisive, but just to provide a little bit of context to what does that mean? Because it, it, on its own, to hear that you spend 13% more sounds like, what's that's great, you know, but in comparison to what towns uh, do contribute, mm -hmm. and I see this as an opportunity for our community, because um, the other thing I've been a little bit conscious of is when we say town, Often people have different interpretations what I mean by town. Right. But community support for schools yes. um, is certainly something that I'm interested to kind of really try to, to say. Um, you know, if Franklin's spending 13%, I could look at uh, our neighbor in Norfolk, 32%, Foxborough, 41 uh, King Philip, 36 Rentham, 45 um, Sharon, 51 you know, you start getting further out, it gets a little higher. Uh, Mansfield, 27%. So right. just to provide a couple of context, North Attleboro is very comparable to us. But they're at 13.5% versus mm -hmm. the 13. So right. they're the only one down in the teens. Yeah. So it's just, just a context piece as we continue to move forward and, and try to look at how we use our funding. And, um, no, and I think that's one of the hard points that in order, to, th th whether it's the per pupil number or the tax rate, or people look to try to go to a single number to explain and compare. And right. comparisons are within reason okay. As long as you, and I think you mentioned, as long as we stay within the overall content and the context of that content. Yeah. <laughs> right? Right. Because it, it's, every time you boil down to one number, you've left something out. <laughs> and Absolutely. some of those things are really key. And just as one example, clearly education 
and the quality of the schools, the education that we do provide, is one of the single biggest factors of home values, which certainly Franklin has benefited from because it's the increase in the home values that have actually brought our tax rate down recently. Um, so people don't necessarily always catch, the dots. Yeah. <laughs> catch that there's an inverse relationship between the tax rate and the assessed values. Mm -hmm. When the values go up, the tax rate goes down. I think it was in 2008, we had the, the start of the recession. 2007, we had just, on the one hand, passed our first and only ever override, but in 2008, the market recession hit, and that wiped out the values. We've been gradually coming back uh -huh. from the values. So what we had passed as an override never actually went farther than that one year because right. we could, uh, the values just disappeared. Right, right. And you had to start from, start and you, over. We effectively had to, had to start over, and it's been what? Eight, 17, almost 17 yeah, years since it has, then? It has. Um, it has. Uh, you know, other drivers, you know, you've heard about the um, OSD, which is our operational service division. Their tuition rate increase went from, you know, basically the year before two was at two and a half. thereabouts. Yeah, and it went up to 14. To 14. Um, that's yeah. in Franklin to put to quantify that for context, puts it at about 776 million. So while we would anticipate uh, an increase, uh, we didn't anticipate that much. And I think we've been pretty vocal about that and advocated about that, but that's certainly a driver that's impacted our budget. 700,000, 776,000, yeah. Um, yeah. which is a significant number. Um, oh. We'll start to put that into sure. context. And uh, as we continue to build out, you know, when we look at the, the per pupil expenditure and you know, we try to look at this across the state, and I think uh, a comment or a question comment was made during the FinCom deep dive was around, well, if you're comparing it, there are states averages that can bring that number up. Mm -hmm. And there are numbers, state averages that can bring that number down. Sure. And ultimately, I think it's an average, as long as it encompasses every town, that's the only thing, you know, uh, if we were only using the top five towns to compare mm -hmm. to. I don't think that would be fair to, no. and I'm a no. taxpayer in Franklin too, Steve. I should have said that. I'm not only, uh, I'm also a client. <laughs> Remember you, that you, commercial? You, you've got both um, hats worn. Right, yes. right. Yes. So um, I would caution anybody from trying to pick in that way. But when we look at a state average, it's taking the, the state mm -hmm. average. And we right. are uh, currently, our in-district per pupil expenditure was at 15,982. The state average is 18,556. So, right. you know, everyone has the same average to compare to. Right. Well, and that's one of the credits that DESE, at least to, one of the things that DESE, to their credit, by having them effectively audit all the district's expenses, they make sure that the monies are at least in the same buckets. It's as, apples to, the to apples. That they can be yeah. apples to apples. Because granted, there are some districts where they're totally separate operations. Mm -hmm. There are some that are kind of more hybrid. Franklin has its position, sure. right? But at a DESE level, they pull all the numbers together at the state level to make sure they're as apples to apples as possible. Um, and people need to be mindful of that as well. One of the other factors to look at as well, and tying back to the space needs, you've grown the special ed programs in order to do more of the in-house support where Correct. appropriate. Right. to the special ed students. So while we've had an increase in special ed, 
for whatever reason, people may be coming here because they know we've got a good program, know we've got this, so there's some increases there. Pandemic may have some increases in that because those mm -hmm. kids have been identified with whatever disabilities that need to have that special ed uh, IEP piece. But then to the extent that you've been able to, within some of those programs, service them in-house, there's also a significant difference to our benefit, at least in terms of minimizing the cost. You're educating them in-house right. at, if I recall, like one-third of what it would cost? It, it depends uh, on the school, Steve, to be honest with you. I actually thought an exercise this summer, and I don't, it would take time, but, you know, if we are averaging, you know, 30 grand, I'm making, I'm using... For conversation. Conversation, sorry. if it costs us 30 grand because we're hiring the people and we have the licenses <clears throat> and we do that, mm -hmm. you know, versus sending someone to a school where you have to provide transportation and drive. And you've heard us talk about in-district transportation. We have a van fleet. All yep. the times that we advocate for those things, it's to keep our in-district programming because we feel as though if we can provide it and it's appropriate to, as you said, yes, then we try to. Right. Um, we see so many benefits across the board having programs within and, and having our programs be a part of our school communities mm -hmm. has been a huge benefit to the kids, all kids. Right. And um, it's also an opportunity when you do that, you do save when you're not sending to a private school, private uh, special education school. Mm -hmm. um, I would say, it'd be a, I was getting back to the exercise, it would be a great exercise to see if these, you know, these students, a list of, you know, student A, B, C, D, E, F, G, mm -hmm. were to be educated outside of the district, this is what the cost is based on what the need is. Correct. This is what it costs to transport, this is what it costs to educate, and it would be a very good uh, math comparable to show the value of, of doing that beyond mm -hmm. the moral value, which I spoke to <clears throat> just a little while beyond ago. Beyond the community value of just keeping the kid closer to home. Yes. In, in, in the home environment, so to speak. Right. To do that. Right. Right. So, um, yeah, but there is, you know, but that does impact the, the space we utilize in our district. Having specialized programs, you have to provide the level of specialized care and education a student needs. Mm -hmm. But I think I'm so glad you brought up the idea of to not do it within your community um, for a host of reasons, morally, ethically, mm -hmm. you know, responsibly to the degree right. you can, yeah. ultimately does have a financial <clears throat> impact as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because legally we still have to provide the education to them. We have to. There, there's no question, so it's a question of how. And respectfully, that's where you've identified at least these programs we can deliver in a cost-effective way. There are some services that you can't Correct. deliver, at least economically, and that's where those right. students have to go outside. Right. Yep. Right. Yep. So, yeah, these are all drivers in kind mm -hmm. of how we, how we develop yeah. our budget. And, yeah. um, you know, we, we're really um, working hard right now as we get through the, you know, we just received the information that we needed to continue to, build out our budgets and look at where we need to make reductions and you know we continue to evaluate the needs and try to put forth the budget that we feel like basically uh, provides the level of service that our students and our families expect mm -hmm. in Franklin right. and ultimately without the funding that we need to do that you know that's where you have to start to make some concessions and ultimately I'm here to advocate for schools and make sure that Correct. we do the best job we can with the resources we have Right. and right. we'll continue to do that no matter what the whatever the math shows. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, today we're sitting here, effectively you, the school committee has officially asked for 3.3 .3 
more, and they're only going to give us give you one. Right. So that's two point three that's going to have to be adjusted somewhere. Right. But there may be some ad during the budget issue discussions. Who knows? So. Yeah, you still have to do some analysis to be ready for whatever the final number is going to be, um, and then have that you know done before uh, the end of school year. <laughs> yes, <laughs> which you you've got that timeline, and we talked about who we started with. This there's right. a lot going on, and you know just it's it's going to be difficult. You know we are basically looking to just bring that number down based on the number that I had put forth in us for, mm -hmm. um, but we're we're working hard, but it's it's going to have an impact. Yeah. It's certainly going to have an impact on our system and the yeah. services we Yeah, we can't yeah. quantify exactly what it is going to be today. Not today at this podcast, but <laughs> certainly as we go through the con the conversations and development process, it, it will come it will be clear. Yeah. Yeah. So the message to take away is if you're concerned, be concerned and follow the issues as they go through the budget hearings and school committee meetings, et cetera, et cetera. And we'll yeah. be sure to put out information that helps to frame this a bit. You know, mm -hmm. I'm still in um, we're still building off of the uh, Friday's information that was shared out. From the town administrator. Yes, so yes. then we need to yep. just make sure that we have our, um, be really clear. And my, my biggest thing is making sure whatever we say is accurate. Yes, of course. You know, and I think that's what we need to do. Yeah. Indeed. Well, you've got a lot on your plate. <laughs> but it's, it's the nature of the beast. And... <laughs> I th certainly thank you for taking time today to cover between redistricting and budgeting, and you've got kind of a short week as well, <laughs> to the extent that you still got things to do, but it's also kind of break time, and you need some break as it's, well. So yeah, it's the opportunity to. I'm, I'm working this week. Uh, I am going to take some time at the end of the week, but uh, it's an opportunity to really work and have more of a concentrated focus, focus point yeah. versus when schools are up and running, and you know there are questions and night stuff and, and mm -hmm. a couple of things it's a good way for me to come into the to my office and do the things that i need to do to kind of right. keep up up to speed because yeah, there's what 4700 students another six to eight hundred <sighs> faculty and staff right. etc so right. something in the neighborhood of 5500 or 6000 people instead of potentially knocking you on the door yes <laughs> at any time when the school is open now you've got a little bit of time but it's a little, it's just a little bit, bit, of bit Steve. you'd be surprised it's a lot of it's still catching up from i can imagine but I can yeah imagine. so yeah no. i appreciate the time no thank you and uh good luck We'll be watching along and sharing the info as we can to make sure the community is aware. And uh, last reminder, we do this because Franklin matters. We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tin Type Tunes in 2008 and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. And by the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.